Welcome to Podcast Ed, the podcast of reimaginedonline.org, sparking the evolution of education choice. On this episode, senior writer Lisa Bowie talks with Sherry White, a former district school educator who became a homeschool teacher for her daughter, who receives the Family Empowerment Scholarship for students with unique abilities. Hello, today I have with me Sherry White. She's a former public school teacher whose daughter is on the Family Empowerment Scholarship for Students with Unique Abilities. Welcome to the podcast, Sherry. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you. Um, I understand you and your husband, John, uh, are both teachers or have education in your background. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about your experience and about his experience in education? Sure, I'd love to. Um, I didn't plan to be a teacher, a, a public school teacher. I was shooting more for being a university professor, and I majored in mathematics, and that was my interest and my love, and I would have been thrilled to do that, but things didn't work out that way. So I taught middle school in Fort Lauderdale and uh, for a while, and then I also taught a special needs private school, and I worked at the Dyslexia Institute and some different things like that, working with special needs children. My husband, he's always been a teacher type. He was in band. He loved band. So he taught band, uh, you know, marching band things, little uh, clinician work, they call it, from high school. But he also didn't plan to be a high school teacher or a, a you know, a band director. But things worked out that way for him too. So he did that for many years and and now he's a virtual school teacher. And, um, and it seems that teaching is in our blood, even though (laughs) maybe that wasn't our plan. We really do like teaching and we both teach uh, Sunday school now. And what does he teach at for a virtual school? He teaches music, guitar, uh, criminal justice, business keyboarding, I think that's it. There might be something else. He teaches a variety of things at virtual school. I say that's quite a range between uh, (laughs) music and criminology. Right, right. Well, that's what I say. He went to school for criminal justice. (laughs) So that's what he wanted to do um, and just do the band on the side. But I, I I was really interested in math, and I did teach math and science in the public school for a while. And I understand John has a, a side teaching gig with band. Right. Yeah. He helps out at a private school and um, he helps with their marching band. And for now, he's the interim uh, color guard coach also because our wonderful color guard coach had a baby and it needed to take some time off. So he stays busy for sure. Wow. Well, tell me about your daughter. Uh, how old is she, and what's her name, and what is her education like? So Elise is 16. She's going to be 17 this year. Um, she's been homeschooled from preschool, um, and we use what's called a Charlotte Mason method, which is a literature-based curriculum. She also, um, during those early years, she had a lot of ABA therapy. She did actually six years of ABA therapy, which is Um, Applied Behavioral Analysis, which is a wonderful way to help um, with autistic behaviors and to improve, um, you know, you pick goals, basically, and you work towards them. For instance, she used to always hide under the table or run away when she didn't like things. So we worked with her um, on that. We worked with her on 
learning to hold hands and walk and not run away, those kinds of things. She did a lot of occupational therapy, physical therapy, and we had lots of doctor's appointments. So the homeschooling worked really well. You know, we could homeschool in doctor's offices and waiting rooms and things like that. It helped. Yeah, she has autism, ADHD, and she has quite a few medical issues also. And we noticed pretty much from birth that something was going on. I mean, we'd had, a, you know, I have an older daughter who's 33. So this wasn't my first, I wasn't a first time parent. I knew something was off, but the doctor just kept reassuring us that everything was fine. Um, and she spoke very early, but she only repeated things from books or movies. She wasn't able to use her hands very well. She didn't have good fine motor skills. She had a lot of uh, gross motor skill problems. She would fall all the time and hit her head. And strangely, she didn't cry when she would hit her head. Um, and she had some uh, what, what in autism circles is called stimming. She had some kind of not not obvious stimming, but she had like full body stims that she did. So there was some things going on. And I saw so many red flags and I just knew and, and I had experience working with, um, you know, special needs kids. So I wasn't sure what it was, <laughs> but I knew something was going on. So I kept a journal for a while and brought that to the doctor. And they finally did give her a diagnosis of autism at eight by age three. Mm-hmm. Now, for the benefit of our audience who may not know, what is stemming? So it's repetitive motions that generally for a child or a person with autism, it's comforting to them. So sometimes you might see uh, someone flicking their fingers in front of their eyes or rocking back and forth for Elise. She used um, very large body motion. She sort of twisted herself around a lot (laughs) and she paced now, now, especially now pacing is her big thing. She would pace a lot. So they're kind of self soothing activities that to someone that's not familiar with it, it might seem strange. Mm -hmm. Um, What types of other therapies did she receive? So I said she had occupational therapy, physical therapy, uh, and behavioral therapy, which is ABA. Um, And that, that was it. She didn't, she didn't have any speech therapy because she was extremely verbal. She really was verbal. (laughs) She talked pretty much nonstop, but like I said, it was um, what they call echolalia. She repeated things. So she didn't, she didn't have a regular conversation with you. She would have a long, you know, uh, monologue, basically. (laughs) She would just say things from a movie and she could remember everything. She had a great memory for, um, for books and movies and things like that. And so they, they didn't recommend speech therapy, but uh, she, like I said, she didn't like any of those therapies at all. (laughs) She really disliked them very much. So it was always, uh, you know, tantrums and screaming, getting her to go. And it was, I'm sure it was very challenging for the therapists, which is why the scholarship was so great because um, her, her insurance paid for those therapies, but they wouldn't pay for other things that were non, you know, not maybe non-traditional forms. And the scholarship that we started it back in 2014, it allowed her to get into other things. So for instance, we replaced physical therapy with Taekwondo. And 
I, I stayed in the class with her in Taekwondo in the beginning because just even lining up, she couldn't do. I think she was eight when she started that and she couldn't even stand in line. So I stayed in the class and was sort of her aide for a while. But it was great because um, she could take that class and get the benefits that she would have in physical therapy, like strengthening her core, learning to use her hands and feet, all that, but without it being in that strict, you know, um, physical therapy context. So it was something fun that she wanted to do. And she really loved Taekwondo. She did it for, um, she did it up until the, the pandemic, actually, <laughs> up until 2020. Wow. And I understand uh, she made quite a bit of progress. Yeah, she was just about to become a second degree black belt. She was just getting ready for her test for that when the pandemic uh, caused, you know, when there were lockdowns. So in that that class, uh, I mean, even a year later, the class hadn't restarted. So we just kind of gave up on Taekwondo and we moved on to something else, which was Color Guard, which is um, if people aren't aware, Color Guard is like in the marching band when they throw the flags and the rifles and the sabers and things. Um, she got into that and she really loves that. And she's really um, progressed well in that. Imagine that's providing a lot of uh, exercise and yes, <laughs> uh, upper body strength too. Yes, very much, and that's that's a funny thing. I mean, for a kid that when when she was in physical therapy, one of the things they had to do what because she they said she didn't have a protective reflex, so that was why when she would fall, she wouldn't put her hands out um, to. You know, normally a person, if they fall, they put their hands out, they hurt their hands so they don't hurt their head. But she wouldn't do that. And um, they used to, you know, push her, sit her on a ball and push her to make her fall and teach her to put her hands out. And now she can throw a rifle up in the air, spin it three times and catch it (laughs) and do all these amazing things that I'm, I'm like just blown away with what she can do. But having the scholarship and having that opportunity for her to go to a school where she could learn those things, it, it was, it's just been phenomenal for us. Yeah. Now, where does she do color guard? Um, she goes to Trinity Catholic High School, and um, she there she, she doesn't go full-time. I do homeschool her for all her academics, and there she takes art, uh, color guard, and band. So she plays the trombone also, and it's... It's great. This it's such a wonderful school, and they've they've just provided so many opportunities for her. And I'm you know, I'm not one. I'm not that artistic, and she loves art. I've used curriculums for art with her, but it's it's not the same as having a, a you know a, a a real artist teaching you. And they have a wonderful teacher there um, for her art class that she took last year and she's learned so much and things that I tried to teach her from books that, you know, some things are just things like band and art and color guard. You really need to have in-person instruction (laughs) to, to get the best outcome. And I, I didn't have, and like her dad could have taught her the band, but you know, you can't, a band of one isn't as much fun as, (laughs) as a whole group. I'll learn about the Family Empowerment Scholarship for students with unique abilities. Um, so I learned about it back in 2014, but I really can't remember where I heard about it. Maybe, you know, maybe on Facebook or on a website. Um, 
I was really happy to find out about it because like I said, we did have access to therapies through her insurance, but that she wasn't really thriving in those environments. She really resented all the therapies. And um, so the scholarship just really helped us. For instance, I, because she was, she's very, very active. She has ADHD also. So she's, she needs a lot of physical activity and, trying to homeschool her she could she her attention span was about 10 seconds and i knew but i knew that she you know academically she could thrive because she could read at a very young age like intellectually things were pretty good but she couldn't control her body you know she just wanted to move so using the scholarship i was able to create an environment with lots of um therapeutic things like you know exercise balls balance beams, mats, swings, and swinging is her big, big thing. She still, even to this day, swings for several hours a day. She needs that swinging to help her with her, um, you know, to soothe her nervous system, basically. And I was able to put her in a swing and teach her for, while she's swinging or let her hang upside down and teach her. I mean, if you would see what we did, we did for school when she was young, it was very non-conventional. I mean, she's hanging upside down. I'm reading to her and she's answering questions and we're talking and, you know, we're all over the place. I mean, I could put her in a pool and teach her while she was in the pool. And, you know, we did a lot of that in the early years <laughs> and having all that available from the scholarship just, you know, it wasn't something I was going to be able to do on a, um, you know, because I stopped working when I started homeschooling her and, we weren't going to be able to afford all those things on our own. So it was just, it was really a blessing. Wow. So I hear you tell me you're able to get swings and balls and right. um, all of that. What else? Were you able to get any your curriculum, any other supplies? Oh, yes. Yes. So um, our, our, we use Charlotte Mason. So we don't generally buy um, packaged curriculum. I did, I did use um, Apologia for science which is a, is a more of a packaged curriculum. But other than that, uh, I was able to buy the books that we needed. We follow a book, like a, a book list. So I was able to purchase all the books we needed. And uh, I, one wonderful thing that I was able to buy was a goal thing called a goalie. It's G O A L L Y. And it's, it looks like a little cell phone and Elise had a really hard time following a schedule. And she had, she, she's not very like good at organizing her time or even if I would give her direction, if, if I gave her more than one direction, like a two-step direction, she wasn't able to follow that. And it was frustrating because I would have to basically, you know, have her come back to me. I would say, okay, now you're going to go in your room and put away these toys or something. I would have to sit there and, and tell her each step. She couldn't, she couldn't, have that short, she has a short-term memory issue. She's great with long-term memory, but short-term memory was difficult for her. So purchasing that goalie, you program in uh, the things you want them to do. Let's say it's a four-step process, like cleaning the bathroom or something. So you program in what you want them to do. They do the first one, they check it off, and then the goalie tells them, okay, after you've wiped the counters now, clean the bathtub or whatever it is, you can break each thing down into smaller and smaller steps. And the goalie 
presents the next step without the child having to come to you for every single step. So that was a really big game changer for us too. We used that for maybe four years until, um, you know, until she was older and was able to have, then I transferred that kind of thing to a cell phone and I put it on the notes in the cell phone and she can just go through it, you know, on a cell phone. Oh, that's uh, what an amazing project management app. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in her education these days what what are her strengths and, and what are her favorite subjects okay so she's she's making really uh, steady progress in most areas and she and she's an avid reader she if you saw her goodreads profile <laughs> you'd be surprised that a 16 year old has read these things she's I checked it yesterday you know I was just you know uh, anticipating doing this interview thinking wondering how many books has she read since we started tracking them. And she's, uh, she's just under 500 books and it's not light reading either. So she really loves reading her favorite subjects are Bible worldview studies, philosophy and logic. And she really loves Shakespeare plays. We do three plays a year and, um, she's, she's really into Shakespeare. <laughs> so, and, her favorite activities now, though, so she doesn't love school, even though she does love to read. She doesn't love having to produce things, you know, but she does. And in the early years, um, because she couldn't write, she had uh, fine motor skills and she really struggled with holding a pen or a pencil. She couldn't type or anything early on. I would we, I would read the books to her or we would read them together. And then she would narrate back to me or tell me back what we read, what it was about. So in the early years, I recorded all that on video. And then I just have like a bank of all her recordings. And then as she got older, she learned to write. And then now she types and which is wonderful because that makes things a lot easier. But she doesn't love having to do all that. Like she does love talking about philosophy and the Bible and logic and that, but the rest of it, you know, she'll be happy when she's done with school. <laughs> That's what she says. But she does love art and she loves making animations and movies and she loves sculpting and color guard and, you know, a lot of physical things. And one thing she really doesn't like is math, which is ironic because that's my field of study. <laughs> um, but she was using the scholarship because I, I could see she just wasn't making progress in math. And she she had a very hard time even tracking numbers for instance associating one object associates with the number one two objects associates with the number two and that took years for her to master that and i had her tested back when she was in fifth grade and through the scholarship i hired someone an educational psychologist to come to the house and evaluate her and she was diagnosed then with dyscalculia which is a, a math a math disability so <laughs> It's legit that, you know, she her her not loving math is because she really does struggle with it. So now I'm just working with her on um, life skills, for instance, being able to use a computer and a calculator to do the math things that you're going to need in life, for instance, having tracking a budget, um, cooking, things like that. So we're we're um, leveraging technology to to make up where she has trouble and which is great because there's so much wonderful technology out there now that that will take care of those things 
Wow. It, it sounds like you all have, have really, you know, been able to use the scholarship well and that she's really benefited from it. Um, what would it have been like for her if you didn't have access to that scholarship or it didn't exist? So, I mean, she definitely, when she was younger, we wouldn't have had the, I mean, basically we had a therapy center in our home. We wouldn't have been able to have that to the extent. I mean, I'm pretty creative and I can come up with some things, but I wouldn't have had, you know, the, the extensive swings and the balance beams. And, the, you know, we, we basically had a full, our entire house and yard was therapy, occupational therapy and physical therapy. And, you know, we were able to, I don't think she would have progressed as well academically because you know she had we had to address that ADHD and that her need for all that activity you know you can't I don't feel like it would be a good idea to just say okay you just have to sit there you know she over time now she can sit for an hour and read and she can do that work but if I'd have just forced it in the beginning I think she just would have you know been so frustrated she wouldn't be progressing the way she did, you know, we worked really well with all those things and, and then having the opportunity to do Taekwondo rather than the physical therapy and, you know, use alternative things that, that she didn't rebel against, that she didn't hate. It just opened it up. And I think, you know, she wouldn't be where she is today. Uh, you know, she's, she's able to work independently now. She, um, when, when she goes to her, just to Trinity for school, she goes that last year she went in the morning and on a day that she has practice, cause it's about 40 minutes from our house. So it's, it's a drive. We would take her there and then she would be able to stay there and do the work independently, her homeschool work in the library or in an office. And if she has problems, she calls me on a video chat and I would help her and if she didn't have all that training with the, the physical therapy alternatives with the, you know, the um, sensory things, the swings and all that, she wouldn't, I don't think she would be able to sit by herself and work on all her schoolwork like she does. Um, you know, I think she would still be struggling because she would have just been so frustrated. So it, it just opened up it really opened up things. It's such a blessing. I'm like so glad that Florida has this and it's such a wonderful model because I mean the public, you know, having taught in public schools, they do the best they can, but they have, you know, you have 20 to 30 students in a class. You can't give individualized attention and you can't turn a classroom into, you know, a basically a giant jungle gym. <laughs> well, maybe you could, but um, you know, it would, it would require a lot more people to monitor things and, and it was just, it's just opened up opportunities for my daughter that I don't think, you know, I don't think she would be where she is today without it. What would you give other families who were just starting down this road? Oh, don't be discouraged. Find the things your kids are good at and build on those. And small steps and small victories become big steps and big victories. If you're consistent, you know, just don't quit. And I always used to have this saying with, with when Elise was younger and even into the last few years, it's it's three steps forward, two steps back. But that's still one step forward. <laughs> so don't forget. And and the other thing is, don't try to recreate traditional school in your home. 
you know, you you have so many opportunities. You can create like this, you know, jungle gym school like I had, or you can create an environment that works for your kid and an educational plan that is great for your child's unique abilities and talents. Everyone has something to offer and they deserve to fully develop and participate in society. And I'm so happy that Elise has that opportunity. It's been a pleasure having you on our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And it's been wonderful talking to you too.